This is a Morley Radio podcast. Welcome to the London Hat Week at Home podcast series. I'm Georgina Abbott, co-founder of London Hat Week and owner of Atelier Millinery, a hat-making business based in London. For episode six, we are joined by Deborah Pocock, CEO of the Queen Elizabeth Scholarship Trust, otherwise known as Quest, and Joe Smith, who's a Quest trustee and also general manager of British clothing company Dax Simpson Limited. The Queen Elizabeth Scholarship Trust approached London Hat Week to help spread the word about their scheme. And we are delighted to be able to help fellow craftspeople find out about the trust and apply for funding in order to fulfill their potential. I should point out that we're not in the Morley Radio studio today and we're recording this podcast remotely. So apologies in advance for any sound issues. Joe and Deborah, welcome and thank you so much for taking part in the London Hat Week at Home podcast series. Thank you very much. Very nice to be here. Thank you so much for inviting us. So, Deborah, um, can I come to you first? Could you tell us a little bit about Quest and your role? Yes, thank you, Georgina. Um, uh, it's my very great honour to be um, the CEO of Quest, a role which I've done for um, just over three years. Um, Quest was founded um, 30 years ago, so it's our 30th anniversary this year, and it was founded by the Royal Warrant Holders Association the association that looks after all of the companies who have royal warrants of appointment um, to members of the royal family. Um, The charity was set up uh, with a simple aim, which was to support the education and training of craftspeople. And its mission hasn't changed since that time. That is what we still do. We provide funding. Uh, to further enhance the skills of talented and aspiring craftspeople. Since um, 1990, we uh, have awarded around £4.8 million. And we, wow. Yes, we're very, very proud of that. And we have supported um, just over 550 craftspeople. So very, very varied. We interpret craft very broadly. Um, so we haven't just supported milliners. Uh, we've supported everything from um, ceramicists to sculptors to painters to jewellers. A very, very broad range of skills and, and craft disciplines. And that, that's what we do. It's, it's really important work. Or I believe it's really important work. I'm sure Joe does too. Absolutely. We must sustain these essential craft skills Mm -hmm. for future generations that's the really key thing and you know there are traditional crafts but what's absolutely brilliant is how those crafts are evolving and uh contemporary practices and materials are being applied Mm. to those traditional skills yeah couldn't agree more um so it's named after the queen elizabeth the queen mother and um she was particularly beloved to milliners for her love of hats she was. and certain styles. Yeah. <laughs> so is there any link there that you could tell us about? Yes, absolutely. So so as you, as you point out, it, it is Quest and it stands for Queen Elizabeth Scholarship Trust. And 
I mentioned that the charity was started in 1990 and it was in the name of uh, the Queen Mother, Queen Elizabeth the Queen Mother, and it was her 90th birthday. So it was a celebration of that and it was also the 150th anniversary of the association. So that's why they decided to set up that fund for craftspeople. And of course, as you've just said, you know, the, the Queen Mother was very famous for her hats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, Rose Corey, who will be known to many of your yeah, listeners, yeah. I'm sure, um, in fact, trained, um, I think it was four of the um, scholars, the milliner scholars that we've supported. So people like the incredible Jane Fryers working in fish leather, uh, people like Deirdre Hawkin um, and people like Leia Symes. So there's a lovely connection there. And I, I know those scholars talk very very fondly about Rose yeah. and her incredible skill and passion for her her craft. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, everybody loves Rose. That's for sure. <laughs> so, um, Joe, can you tell us a little bit about what it means to be a trustee for Quest, and and also about your role at Dax Simpson? Yes, absolutely. So, um, my role at Dax um, links very well in with the sort of Quest role, and actually, that's how I sort of first um, got to know about the charity. Um, so, I'm general manager, as you mentioned earlier, of Dax. Um, it's um, a 125-year-old uh, business, menswear and womenswear, started as a menswear tailoring business um, all those years ago in London's East End, and now it's a global business. With um, we operate out of about uh, 35 different countries worldwide. Um, But the main thing to say is as part of my role, I'm actually grantee now of the brand's three royal warrants, um, which Debbie obviously drew on a little bit earlier on. um, And that's sort of my association. And as a brand, we're extraordinarily proud to have all three royal warrants. Uh, Not very, not very many of us, many of us do. So um, it's a huge privilege and one I'm extremely proud of. Um, And so from that and my role as grantee, I, I linked in um, with Quest. I first probably got to know about them, oh goodness me, several years ago now. Um, and I became first a skills advisor, uh, which uh, Debbie can explain a little bit more about that perhaps. But skills advisor means I, I look at the applications across mostly textiles um, applicants, but also uh, the wider applica- applications as well from the stonemasons and the woodturners and this sort of thing. Um, and, and I love that side of it. It's a wonderful, wonderful part to be involved in, I must say, and very, very rewarding. Um and then um, earlier on this year, I was asked to become a trustee. And so um, that's what I've been doing since around March of this year. Um, it's it's wonderful. It's a wonderful charity to be a part of. Um, as Debbie mentioned, it's just um, the focus on craft, the excellence of craft. I think for me, it's the variety, um, all the various different people. You know, my background is clothing and textiles. But like I mentioned, it's just so wonderful to sort of see all the other elements mm. of craft mm. and, and and new ones, the ones, you know, things you've never known known about or sort of heard about before and I think that's um that's absolutely absolutely fascinating yes well, that's great it sounds like the perfect match yeah it is it is and that's that's why we asked her <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think you know it's really you know good to have you know our trustee board is you know we've got you know set seven trustees and they all have different backgrounds they some are involved with other raw want holding companies and so that sort of amalgam of skill industry expertise and business expertise as well as you know a, a grounding in in that particular craft skill and that makes up our sort of assessment 
panel um, and then we look for wider industry experts you know whether that's you know a ceramicist or stonemason so that it's a very it's you know we get good broad expertise and knowledge and I think Joe touched on the excellence point and I think that is absolutely crucial for us you know our our tagline, if you like, is supporting excellence in British craftsmanship. And for us, that's absolutely key um, because it's all, you know, that excellence means that, you know, that craft is sustainable. It has a longevity to it. And one of the things that we're very proud about is that almost 90% of our class people the people that we supported so that 550 odd that I mentioned earlier they are still practicing their craft you know they are still you know operating um and they're or they're teaching you know 65 percent are teaching and passing on their skills so for us you know that looks like success you know so that that assessment uh in the first place is is absolutely key for finding the right people um, and then borne out by that great statistic that they're still practicing. Clearly, we're going through very challenging times at the moment. And, you know, craftspeople in particular, well, as all businesses are, you know, it, it is very, very tough. Um, but, you know, nevertheless, um, actually, I mean, one of the things that we were talking about earlier uh, was you know, it, I am absolutely inspired and amazed and touched every single day by the resilience, the kindness and the creativity of our alumni network in, in these really challenging circumstances. It is incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Well, then let's hope we can help you find a few more of those um, excellent, <laughs> excellent craft people. Thank you. <laughs> yes. That's, that's why we're here, absolutely. So, um, Debbie, can you tell us when you first heard about London Hat Week? Yes, I, I mean, I've known about it. I mean, it's always been in the background um, and through, through my work with Quest and through my general love of hats. Um, uh, I'm not an aficionado by any stretch of the imagination, but I really do love hats. Uh, so this is this is like a dream gig for me. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I've, I've sort of, uh, I've not been involved in it before, um, but, um, you know, I think uh, it's an amazing um, endeavor, uh, bringing people together who share a, share a passion. Um, seems to me like a really, really great thing. So I'm, I'm you know, really looking forward to being involved more hopefully that's great and and joe how did you hear about it yeah well um obviously being involved in the fashion industry um and we actually show our collections um in london and in milan so i'm quite involved in london with the british fashion council anyway um and as a result uh, you, you know just by the knowledge of fashion and different bodies i think london hat week has been part of that too and i've obviously known about it for some time as a brand we don't make hats but what we tend to do for fashion shows and, and bigger events is collaborate on the whole which is obviously what a lot of brands do these days so work with different companies um, and different milliners in particular to sort of uh, have hats in our fashion shows this sort mm. of thing so I have known of um, London Hat Week for yes for some time I would say. Well, that's great and it is good to have um, two really big hat enthusiasts with us today. <laughs> <laughs> 
So we used to, um, we've been running a series of interviews called um, the London Hat Week Headliners. And uh, it's normally, we're normally talking to tutors and milliners or um, other makers or suppliers to the industry. So it's great to ask you these same set of questions, but um, as hat enthusiasts. Great. Yeah, why not? <laughs> so, um, Joe, I wanted to ask you first, can you remember um, what was the first hat that you wore or the first hat that you bought uh, and what was it for? Absolutely. So, um, well, you said the first hat, so I thought I'd travel back quite some time, um, back in time. <laughs> um, and so the first hat for me that I remember wearing um, was my little felt hat with a ribbon. It was a grey felt hat with a nice little yellow ribbon at my prep school, aged probably about mm, four, maybe three and a half, four. Um, I had a grey felt one for winter and I had a, a sort of beautiful little straw one with a ribbon um, for summer. And I think, you know, it's just it was the beginning of a love of hats because it, it, it you know, it, it made you feel so proud even at that age to be wearing it. Um, it completed my outfit and my school uniform. But then I thought of something else. I was trying to think about it and I thought the funny thing is they say usually smells come back to you from childhood and that can be anything really. And it can be, you know, it can be a perfume. It could be the smell of something your mother wore or whatever. And for me, I have to be honest, when I was casting my mind back about those little hats I wore, I could remember the smell of them. <laughs> Very bizarre. And I can't tell you why, but that lovely smell of the felt and everything, um, you know, I suppose it's something you wore every day, you took off, put it on your peg. And I don't know, just the smell of it just takes me back in time. So for me, that's my that's my first memory of wearing oh, a hat. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> That's lovely. And and Debbie, can you remember which was the first one that you wore or bought? Yes. I mean, I I mean, I was always in the dressing up box and, you know, had various headpieces. And but when I thought about what was the first serious hat that I actually bought, um, it was a huge black silk hat for a friend's wedding. Um, there were I had a loads and loads of weddings in the early 90s so it was all very sort of four weddings and a funeral you know? <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, you know I, I just thought I was the bee's knees and I remember you know as we were always you know rushing around even then and and I had nothing to wear you know it was a Friday and the wedding of course is on Saturday and you know we're traveling down to um, south of England and so I remember dashing into Dickens and Jones on Regent oh, yes. Street. Now, I remember that. you know, Dickens and Jones is no longer there. Oh, but thinking, oh no. And I just think, oh no, you know, and um so I had a plain black dress, you know, and I just thought, I, you know, I'm just gonna go black and huge. And that's what I did. And I wore <laughs> long black glo gloves with it. Um wow. and uh, yeah uh, so that was my 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 first hat and when I really sort of <laughs> yeah got into them and um yeah. very full weddings debbie somehow yeah. <laughs> running to get something at the last minute oh i know exactly. <laughs> and, and, and didn't we all love Kristen scott thomas in oh, oh, fabulous. my favorite one of my favorite actresses but you, you know she had big, big black hats and then of course for the final wedding she moved from black into that sort of dusky pink mm. one but um, yeah but the, but the but the black the black silk one went on for many many years it was it was uh yeah it, 
<laughs> good value. <laughs> very good value. Yeah, and it cost a fortune at the time. And I was, you know, I was first in London and I was thinking, yeah, God, it was probably about 100 quid. Was in the early 90s, it was probably quite a yeah. lot of money and quite yeah. a significant amount of my salary, I think. <laughs> Good job you got your wear out of it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so as as hat fans, you've probably worn quite a few different shapes and sizes of hat. So but out of all of them, Joe, what is your favourite style of hat to wear and why? Yeah, well I was um sort of thinking along the lines of what Debbie's just said about weddings and sadly the sort of wedding season passes doesn't it I suppose as you get a little older you don't go to so many um so perhaps you have less opportunity to sort of dress up and wear sort of occasion hats if that's the right word I can use um and I was thinking actually about how the fashion industry has sort of changed as well from you know formal dressing and how Mm. you know it's less about formality well especially at the moment but less about formality generally speaking and in the menswear industry where I work as well um you know unfortunately you know there's a trend away a little bit now from ties you know men don't wear so many ties and suits and this sort of thing and I suppose you know in a in a way sometimes I suppose the same could be said of hats but that said there's a there's a flip side to that which makes it all the more special when you do put one on and wear it I think that's right Um, and you have that real feeling then of dressing up but um, if I was sort of to choose I suppose a sort of more day-to-day style and again I'm referring to the fashion industry now and how we tend to find that there's more of a sort of fluidity between menswear and womenswear and certainly in the, the, the work I do at DAX um, we find that you know we can cut a similar blazer now for men's uh, menswear and, uh, and womenswear and you know there's quite a crossover between the two actually there's a lot of people believe it or not who would be happy now to almost wear the men's blazer um, and so with that in mind I suppose I thought my favorite hat to wear at the moment would be a Panama and I I think you know gone are the days when a straw Panama was just for men at certain events you know and I think these days I mean I have a few and I would say I can wear them to a lovely summer event with a jacket or a blazer sort of dressed up or I can wear it on holiday with a sort of oversized shirt coming off the beach with sandals and I, I think it looks it has its place in both environments, really. So for me, I think it has to be a Panama. And I, I yes, I very much, and they're practical too, especially at the moment with the lovely weather we're having. That's true. <laughs> great choice, great choice. And like you say, they're so versatile. Yes. It's a, a really great hat to have. Yeah. Um, well, and we hadn't conferred on this, but uh, my favourite style of hat, I mean, I do prefer things with brim you know a bigger brim Uh, I've got a lot of hair so that's why I tend to sort of uh, move away from the sort of slightly sort of more 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 smaller smaller hats that have that have been sort of fashion in the last few years Um, but yes mine is very much a a fedora Um, and Mm. I think that uh, you know my favorite hat is um, a man's fedora by Borsellino, the Italian hat maker. Lovely. And um, yeah, so that 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 very much for me. And as you say, that style is quite transitional. You know, it can be a sort of Panama or straw yeah. or an everyday hat. Um, so, and I wear hats all the time. I don't just wear them for special occasions. So I think for me, that mm-hmm. is the most versatile type of hat. And, you know, again, I think it sort of um, sums up an era. For me, you know, fedoras and Panama's very 40s are, are, are sort of a period that I really love. So, 
yeah yes. so we're we're very we're in tune debbie <laughs> it's interesting what you said Joe, about women maybe wearing men's tailoring and I think a lot of women would very happily wear a, a, a style of hat that's yes. typically associated with um, a man's hat style and and they Absolutely. look great actually they look really really good and there's sort of no stigma about that now, no, you know, that, no, that not all. men wearing women's clothes, sorry, more women wearing men's clothes. It's just, um, mm. you know, that's what people do these days. It's absolutely fine, yeah. you know. Anything goes. Ab- <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <Definitely>. Absolutely. <laughs> so our next uh, headliner question is about time travel. <laughs> um, so, Joe, I'm going to ask you first, if you could go back in time to wear right. the hats from any era, when would you choose and why? Okay, I am going to take you back. I'm a big fan of understated elegance. You might have taken got that idea from Panama hats and everything like that. I'm going back to the 1920s. I'm going back to the lovely cloche hats, which were worn um, by the sort of silent movie stars of the era, um, sort of Josephine Baker and everything. Just very neat, very stylish. Um, I feel those hats did a lot to move the women's wear movement away from probably the Edwardian era. I mean, generally fashion as a whole did at that point, didn't it? From the large hats and the large dresses, which were wonderful as well. But I just love the fact that everything suddenly by the 20s became quite modern and and almost as we would wear things today in some ways. And the hats very much reflected that, in my opinion. You know, more sort of feeling of equality, I would say. Um, And and the other thing about, I think, cloche hats is... um, they have an enduring appeal. And, and if you look at fashion through the ages, um, the style has sort of come back again um, several times, the 1960s, the 1980s. I think even the mid-2000s, some of the fashion designers in Italy were putting cloche hats down the catwalk and everything. So very timeless, I would say, and adaptable. And then I thought something further about the practicality of them. Um, the lockdown era of today, they do say that cloche hats um, shaped hairstyles. And um, something very practical, I felt, therefore, um, yes. about too. And I felt that during these lockdown times when, you know, very few of us can sort of get out to the hairdressers and, you know, we're desperate to do so when they open again. I just thought how wonderful <laughs> that a hat could sort of yes. shape a hair. <laughs> so that would be my time. I'm going back to the silent yes. movie era of the 1920s. <laughs> oh, wow. That's great. <laughs> great message we should all be wearing hats even when we're sitting indoors <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah absolutely um well I suppose I've already sort of hinted at my area I sort of mentioned fedoras and the 1940s uh, and that that for me was a time of great elegance where people uh, had started to wear hats um, every day. And I suppose that for me is really summed up again, it's that film reference. It's that, you know, Casablanca, that which was, you know, very much that sort of Ingrid Bergman, you know, I just remember seeing her, that last scene in, in Casablanca with... Uh, Humphrey Bogart, and they were both wearing sort of Trilby-esque fedora-style hats. Um, and I, so I think, yeah, that that for me was very much, um, that's the era I would have loved to have born, just in terms of, you know, suits. You know, it was quite a smart era. You know, we talked about the 20s. It, it felt a little bit freer. It felt a little bit more 
you know, uh, less functional. And then actually, it sort of transitioned a little bit, you know, it did start to get a little bit more formal again, um, you know, just after the war, um, and into the 40s. So yeah, for me, it was yeah, it's very much the 40s, because I quite like the formality of that. Um, And um, again, it's just it's a it's just those those sort of film noir yeah. um, references that that really sort of appeal to me. That's great, and it's all still very popular. Like you've both, you know, you've talked about twenties and forties. They're still um, styles and references that people ask us all the time. So it it's very very current. Um, so Debbie, you mentioned you've already mentioned quite a few films, Four Weddings and and Casablanca. But what is your very favourite hat? From film, TV or theatre? Yeah, it makes me sound as though I haven't got a mind of my own and I just copy films for my, my uh, fashion. We, we all do those, Debbie, don't worry. Um, <laughs> That's what the yes, fashion world does exactly. Too. So I have, I have mentioned a couple of films, but when, when I really thought about this question, and I suppose it might be sort of obvious, but for me, it's that scene from My Fair Lady at Ascot, you know, that sort of very, um, it's very stylized the way it was shot, um, black and white, um, huge hats. I mean, Audrey Hepburn just looked amazing, didn't she, in that big, huge sort of yeah. lace, white and black hat. Um, so, yeah, for me, uh, that's my absolutely favorite hat scene of all time yeah I, I just just love it um and but particularly the way that it was as I say the way it was filmed as well it was it looked like a sort of picture it was like a tableau and uh it, yes. it just really uh summed up uh ascot of the time I think yeah really really striking that one yeah <laughs> And, and Joe, what's your favourite? Well, again, it's very funny. Debbie and I, we didn't confer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am a huge fan of Audrey Hepburn's um, style and her films over the years. And, and I've been lucky enough to sort of go to several exhibitions, actually. I think there was one in Florence about back in the sort of 90s and then more recently at the Christie's exhibition in London to see some of her clothes and her hats were on display there as well. Um, But I I didn't choose um, My Fair Lady, although um, I love the hats in that movie and I love the um, Breakfast at Tiffany's hats as well that she wears. I I decided to go for a slightly more, uh, one of her slightly more obscure lesser known films which is funny face i don't know if anybody's seen that film um which sort of mimics the kind of fashion industry from the point of view of the sort of photography and the richard Avedon. um i think it's fred astaire that she's in with um, fred astaire. it's absolutely with fred astaire. Movie. exactly and then in that film she wears and i've seen the outfit in in person which is just wonderful it's just the most simple beautiful chic givenchy suit very modern. I think it's 1950s, 1956, I think it is. Um, and then to sort of complete the outfit, she has, again, just a very simple straw hat, two velvet little black ribbons around it. It's the most iconic image, just looks so utterly beautiful. Um, I have to be honest that I, I tried to um, bid at an auction at Christie's for a picture of her wearing that hat with Fred Astaire. Um, it was signed for um, and I didn't get it because even though it was it was on for about sort of several hundred pounds, it went for several thousand, I think, in the end. But just the most wonderful image, wonderful hat. And again, simple, chic elegance. I love it. 
<laughs> yeah, so she was a wonderful Givenchy muse, wasn't she? I mean, she just absolutely, and a wonderful yeah. hat muse for the hat listeners out there. I mean, you couldn't almost get. I mean, there's several that one could name, but I mean, we, we've named her twice, haven't we? Yes. I mean, just and, and very different styles. There's somebody that could could wear the big sort of ascot hat, and then the simple little hat that I'm talking about too. So, um, I think that's what's so wonderful about her. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. She could put anything on and look great in it. Exactly. You sort of think it really made you think this exercise. You know, who are, who are iconic hat wearers? And the person I thought of was Jackie Kennedy of Nassis. Um, you know, that very simple pillbox mm. style. Um, it was it was just effortless. It was so chic and it was so simple. Um, and yet, I mean, she just 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 carried it off. She just was always stunning. So our last headliner question is a bit like one of those tiebreaker things in a competition. Um, can you finish this sentence <laughs> for us? So, um, Joe, I'm going to ask you first. The joy of a hat is? I'm going to say the joy of a hat is the icing on the cake. Um, and by that, I mean it's it's a perfect way to complete an outfit, um, whether that was me aged four in my little school uniform with my hat, whether that's the lovely, can't compare myself to Audrey Hepburn as much as it would be lovely to do so, but, <laughs> <laughs> but the lovely, beautiful, wonderful Audrey Hepburn in her Givenchy suit with her hat, um, or, or whether, you know, like I said, just going to the beach wearing just some casual outfit and sandals and a lovely Panama hat. I think the beauty of a hat is, for me, is just um, completing an outfit, and again, going back to my day job and the sort of fashion shows we do I think you know quite often we work with hats and I think we would say the same thing is that you know you know it's just not quite the same in the studio when you're sort of putting it together and I work with the stylists and I'm not a designer but I work with the designers and stylists to see how they style and put everything together and then suddenly on goes that hat or something and a few extra accessories and you think right okay it's completely changed that outfit and it's completely brought it to life so that, that's that's what a hat does for me. I think it just completes completes an outfit, definitely. Thank you. And and Debbie, what about for you? Well, I think before before I say what mine is, which is very simple, um, but, you know, when you say icing on the cake, it really makes me think of our scholar Deirdre Hawkins creations because she's very much, you know, working with sort of food uh, styles and it really makes me think really makes me think of her um, but my mine is very simple um, the joy of a hat is it makes you feel great very true because um, you know you put a hat on and you just feel just just sort of so I don't know more confident that's what it does for me I always feel more confident if I've got a hat on and I just think yeah, this this and it's really simple, but I, I that's that's I think that's the only way I can describe it. It just gives you a little bit more confidence. Somehow you sort of walk a bit taller. Um, Good presence, you know, really, you, isn't it? You, yeah, I just, definitely. I think I think it is. I think it is. And there's you know maybe there's a little bit of element that you're slightly hiding. <laughs> well, showing well. off, depending, depending what you're wearing, Debbie, I suppose. <laughs> showing off, exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, the joy of a hat is it makes you feel great. <laughs> Fantastic. So, um, Deborah, if we get back to Quest, um, what tips do you have for anybody wanting to apply for Quest? And, and can you give us the website address and, and what they actually need to know to get started? Yes. Uh, first of all, the uh, website is 
quest.org.uk. And don't forget that's Quest as in Queen Elizabeth Scholarship Trust. So there's no you in there, even though even though we all know that generally you comes after Q, but it's quest.org.uk. And uh, the website will uh, tell you uh, how you can can apply so applications can be made through through the website um you know we're, we're looking um for anyone who wants to uh further their training uh enhance their skills in a really as we've said a broad range of craft disciplines um and you know it we're not just we're not just supporting people who are at the beginning of their career. You know, we are supporting people who may already be established, but who are perhaps looking to learn a very specific skill within their, you know, within their industry. Um, and, you know, it could be someone who's, you know, 18, or it could be someone who is 60. We, we have, we, we, we don't, um, you know, it, it is very, very broad. And right. I think we are looking for people. And again, we've talked about quality and excellence, you know, at the, be, at the beginning. I think that's really important. So we are looking to take people who are already at a sort of particular level and who already probably might have a body of work and some some skill and just taking them to the next le level so that they be can become leaders you know, within their own industries and crafts and, and pass those on. So it's we, we have a couple of application rounds a year, January um, and uh, during the summer. We've got a new round opening uh, on July the 14th until the 25th of August. So there's an opportunity to apply again this year. Um, and then we will make some awards in November. So two, two, lots of opportunities to, to, to apply. Um, it is very competitive, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, we really do welcome applicants um, from, you know, a multi-range of disciplines. But more, more milliners, please. You know, we've only, we've only supported um, five milliners, I mean, really great ones, uh, since 1990. We'd like to support more, so um, that's why we're here. Well, that's great. We'd love you to support more too. <laughs> and um, Joe, you mentioned that you have um, re been reviewing some applications since, since you started your role with Quest. So which are the most memorable ones that you have seen? Um, well, I've picked a sort of milliner one, which um, wasn't one of the ones I reviewed, but just to sort of give you a taste. Um, and I think Debbie mentioned her earlier, Jane Fry. I think it was 2005, her application. So she wasn't, I was, it wasn't one of the ones I reviewed myself, but um, I just think her um, sort of the ethos to hats and, and the, the, the use of some of her materials and the fact she uses fish, fish leather is, is just fascinating, actually. But there are many milliners that I couldn't really choose, actually, when I was thinking about them I've met Jane and maybe that there was something to do with that I I met her rather interestingly at a, a primary futures event which is run by the what the Royal Warrant Holders Association got involved in and it was quite funny because Jane had to sort of um, sit on a stage at the beginning and had all these primary school children asking her questions about what she did without revealing actually what she does now correct me if I'm wrong Debbie I can't remember I think they thought she was some sort of an yeah. engineer I might have that wrong or something yes. um yes. 
And, yes. and, and I thought then I thought to myself, how funny, because I suppose she sort of is an engineer of, of sorts, isn't she? She's engineering hats <laughs> as opposed to as opposed to the true true meaning of it. But she, she's absolutely wonderful um, with what she does. And then I was also thinking about um, non-millinery um, people, actually, in applications and a more recent one, um, which I thought about from 2019. Um, and Kate Collins sprung to mind. Uh, and what Kate does is she makes um, the most amazing, interesting artworks out of paper pleating paper, whether that's uh, lampshades, wall art or, or vases um, and, and, and just the most wonderful things. And I think the interesting thing is that she applied to Quest at the time um, for further training, but also to adapt her skills. So, so a perfect example of somebody that was already quite specialist in one area with, with paper, but what she wanted to do was adapt it and, and learn to the same techniques with, with fabric. So um, bringing in the sort of more um, textiles aspects of things. And I think now what she does is just makes the most beautiful pleated silk cushions. That, that's one area she's sort of transitioned into. Um, and I think there's a perfect example there that, you know, you can, I think Debbie mentioned this before, you can have a skill um, and you can sort of be at the top of your craft almost, if, that, if that's possible. But you can then apply to Quest because you think, well, actually, I'd like to spin off maybe and do this or, or try that. So I think she's a perfect example of that. And there's been many others, actually, along the same lines. Yes. So I think there's another really good example of uh, someone who who was already, you know, a leader in their field um, and who wanted to uh, enhance their skill. Um, and that was Eleanor Lakelin, who is a wood turner. And she came to us uh, in the last few years uh, because she wanted to work with a specialist maker at scale. So she was producing small wood turned objects, but she wanted to go much bigger. So um, she came to us and we, we were able to support that. So I think that really is an important point that, you know, it's not just for people at the beginning of their careers. It's for people uh, throughout their careers, we have a lot of career changes. You know, we have lawyers who want to become artists. You know, we have um, adver people in advertising who want to become leather workers. We have people... I think I uh, had a teacher, sorry, Debbie, I think I had a teacher that became an embroiderer. Do you remember him a couple of years ago? Absolutely. Yep. Yes, absolutely. And he's um, at the Royal School of Needlework at Hampton Court Palace. Absolutely. Um, you know, we've had people, uh, the amazing Ben Short. Um, in fact, we've got two, two Shorts because they're brothers, Ben and Cameron. Um, Cameron uh, works in um, print blocking, um, but Ben Short is a charcoal burner. Uh, so uh, it is very eclectic. And uh, yeah, so we're very, very broad minded about what we support. Quality and excellence is the key. We're very broad minded how we interpret craft and at the, at the entry point to that training and education well that that's great thanks for reinforcing that because um obviously we're we're always thinking about millinery but uh morley morley college does run an awful um an awfully large range of of courses so it's good to know that quest is interested and and people can be eligible um from all different areas of craft um so back to quest as, as an organization um deborah what is the next big project or challenge for the quest team well i think you know to be honest you know uh 
fundraising <laughs> you know we're we're in we're in you know it, difficult times of, as we talked about a little bit earlier and you know one of the challenges for en- for any charity at this time doesn't matter what they're doing um you know fundraising and you know getting income is is going to be challenging now and i'm sure it will be in the you know medium to long term future so we're very much thinking about that because we believe it's really important that we continue to invest in training and education for the future because there is a future and we really really believe that so we want to be able to continue doing what we do which is to fund the training and education of craftspeople now you know that may be a little bit more limited you know over the next few rounds but our commitment is to continue doing that. So the real challenge, absolutely, is uh, get it, getting the money in, um, but also, you know, keeping visible, you know, just making sure that, you know, like we're doing today, telling people about Quest and how we're supporting British craftsmanship. And I think, you know, British craftsmanship, you know, is very important. And lots of people are reflecting on, you know, during lockdown, how people are really beginning to think more about how things are made. You know, people at home are being more creative. So, you know, I think craft and craftsmanship is going to have its day again. And it's really important to the creative industries in terms of how much money actually craft creates okay may be impacted but it's very important so yeah those are those are the immediate challenges for us but we we are still committed to to providing funding where we can and to the level that we can that we can achieve that that's good to hear thank you and we're right behind you in terms of um showing the value of craft and and the value of um reinforcing those skills um so, so Joe, what do you think is the next big project or challenge? Well, I think from my point of view, becoming a, a trustee fairly recently, I think what's been so great, having known the sort of charity more from a distance, it's been fantastic for me to get a bit more involved with Debbie and the team and the fellow trustees and um, come together and, and sort of look at a strategy together. Um, I think Debbie's very good like that. It's it's very much about the team and about us all having our say and getting involved. So I, I think from our point of view as sort of trustees and skills advisors, it's about reaching out to other areas of, of the UK um you know not not just being sort of quite so perhaps london southeast centric i mean actually debbie would probably dis- disagree and say well we've had plenty from scotland we have but i think i think we could, probably not enough we can grow um that area definitely and i think you know um there's been it's it's i found as a skills advisor it's been very interesting when we've had some applications from um smaller colleges or um sort of more hidden colleges not not always the big names that we all know about um those people are great and and there's plenty of them and they come through the doors of quest quite regularly but some of the most interesting applications come sometimes from either the smaller college colleges or the independents um and, and there's a lot i feel there's there's a lot of hidden talents out there and i think that that's what comes out and suddenly you find these people very randomly from different areas and sometimes from from a a skills advisor point of view they're the most interesting in a way because they've got such interesting stories to tell but um but I think yes it's just there's so much excellence out there and it's just about sort of getting the word out as Debbie says and and finding those people I think that's 
that's definitely a key challenge. Um, And Joe, we had a little chat before this podcast and you were telling me about some of the interesting collaborations between DAX and some other headwear brands, because as you pointed out, DAX doesn't make hats itself. Um, I'm sure a lot of the London Hat Week uh, visitors would be interested to know about those. Could you tell us about it? Yes, of course. So we've sort of done a few over the years. Um, We either have sort of made the odd hat ourselves for runway shows. But as I mentioned earlier on, when you do a catwalk show, it's just wonderful to have hats. They just add add to it so much. So for our spring summer 20 collection, um, we did a runway show. We were back in London, actually, London Fashion Week for the first time in a few years. We'd been in Milan prior to that. Um, And we collaborated at that time with Vivian Sheriff, who I'm sure Mm -hmm. is known to quite a lot of your listeners. Um, And our theme, we always love a theme with collections. The designers focus on a theme because it gives them a sort of um, good storytelling approach, if you like, to the to the runway shows. It was Malta, actually. And it was um, it was actually based on Malta in the 1940s when the Queen, um, before she became Queen, was uh, and Prince Philip. They were living there for a short period of time. Um, And so Mm -hmm. what we did is if if, if it wasn't the lovely, beautiful headscarves, which we do make ourselves, silk headscarves around the models, um, Vivian Sheriff did some wonderful wonderful straw hats actually for us at that time um very beautiful wide brimmed imposing hats um which which went down the catwalk so that they were absolutely fabulous um and then also on a more regular basis so um going back to our sort of royal warrant holding um aspect of the company we like that's that's a wonderful community in itself and we like to sort of collaborate as much as possible with fellow royal warrant holders um and, and the wonderful thing about that is when you find somebody that does something non-competitive to your own business um we we can actually get together and and we can sell within our store um other people's products because they're just not competitive it just complements the whole outfit so on that basis um we work actually with lock and co and 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 they're a wonderful company um based in st james's street um i believe the business itself is still family run and over 300 years old um, and so that they they make for us um, well wonderful anything from sort of tweed flat caps in in our various checks because we're, we're quite a lot about sort of checks and tweeds um, or again the lovely panamas that we spoke about earlier on so um, so that's a very that's another sort of aspect and another nice collaboration we do so yeah I'd say those are two of the sort of more recent examples but but yes. And actually, on collaborations, Joe, it makes me think uh, of our collaboration that we've done with Lock and Co. Um, and they are producing a cap uh, in a specially woven quest tweed, which will be on sale in the autumn, I think. Oh, wow. wow. With proceeds going to Quest. So that's a really nice uh, example of a collaboration mm-hmm. with a Royal Warrant Holding Company. And as Joe says, you know, it, it is great to have that network of, mm. of supporters and people with whom to collaborate, network, get expertise from. So, yeah, yeah. that's a really important yeah. relationship. Well, that's a great idea. I bet that will be popular. I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, as you may know, we have um, unfortunately had to postpone London Hat Week Live. Um, But um, as as we speak, we're planning to go ahead in October. So we will, as usual, have a full schedule of events, of um, learning, shopping, socialising, all sorts of different things. and now that uh, we know you at Quest, we'd love to see you coming along. So, um, Joe, what do you think would be um, the event that you would be most looking forward to? 
Um, well, Georgina, it all sounds absolutely wonderful. And, and thank you so much for the invitation and um, looking very much forward to, to coming along and actually getting involved this time around. Um, I think for me, you mentioned, I think, in the past that you've done some catwalk shows. Yes. Um, and, and obviously, that's the sort of side of the business that I, I get involved in very much. So I, I think it would be so lovely to come along and see that. I hope, obviously, we spoke about this the other day, that sort of the lockdown restrictions allow you um, to do that. But hopefully by October, we'll be sort of out of the woods a little bit, so to speak, and so able able to do that. So for me, it would be wonderful to come along and see that. Um, mostly wonderful because I won't be having to work behind the scenes. It would be lovely. Yeah. <laughs> Sitting, I won't demand a front row seat, Georgina, but it would be lovely. To, <laughs> it would be lovely to come along and just just be a, be a spectator, actually, rather than an organiser of a show. So thank you very much. I'm very much looking forward to that. <laughs> that would be great. Be great to have you there and 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 have your feedback as well. <laughs> Thank you. Deborah, what, what would you like to come to at London Hat Week? Well, I mean, it, it all looks absolutely wonderful. And uh, as Joe says, thank you so much uh, for the invitation. But the thing that I really loved the look of was the walk. Um, that uh, looked great. Just, you know, that being able to uh, promenade with, um, you know, all sorts of different people in different hats um, seemed quite exciting. And, and from the clips on, on, on your website, it really did look like a lot of fun. So um, it will be quite a challenge deciding what hat to wear uh, yeah. for the hat. Uh, but I think for me, uh, that looks looks really exciting. So, yeah, that's what I'd look forward to. Brilliant. Well, I hope hope we see you there in October. Thank you. And uh, we all need to pray for good weather as well. Yes, absolutely. Yes, <laughs> October's tricky. Mm. <laughs> so um, bef before we um, wrap up, Deborah, would you mind just repeating the Quest website address so that if anybody wants to have a look and find out details of how to apply? Yes, thank you. Uh, so the website is Quest, spelt Q E S t.org.uk thank you so much for having us today it's been really great to talk to you and thank you for inviting us and allowing us to tell you and your listeners more about quest and we very much look forward to more millinery applications as well as <laughs> as well as other applications so thank you thank you yes thank you also for me georgina been fascinating to talk to you thank you oh, very welcome very very great to talk to you both today thank you for joining us so you have been listening to deborah pocock ceo of the queen elizabeth scholarship trust and joe smith quest trustee and general manager of british clothing company dax simpson with me georgina abbott of london hat week on morley radio to find out more about london hat week visit www.londonhatweek.com or follow at London Hat Week on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. Mm -hmm.